listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network, and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Home of the summer sidewalk sale. That thing is beefy this summer, they say. The largest they've ever had. We'll be telling you more about that. Of course, it's just one week away from Father's Day. If your dad needs something from the vault, the vault at Cardinals has him covered. Go get him a classic gray, flat, level, beveled, double T hat. They look sweet. They've got some uh, like new leather patch hats that are also pretty cool. Everything runs through Lubbock on one of them. Uh, I was looking around the store the other day. Uh, And I believe all the uh, Texas State merchandise is on sale right now. So there you go. Triple threat. Sidewalk sale coming up if you're in Lubbock. Father's Day gear. And Double T I saw the other day. It might That sale might have already passed. But go look online for a for a double T sale uh, if you're looking at mycardinalsports.com. Kyle, as always, how you doing, man? I'm good. Backwards hat kind of guy today. And so if you're looking for a backwards hat, you can also find those at Cardinals. It's actually the same as the forwards hat. You just twist it on your head. Yeah. Is it? That's one of the funniest clips I've ever seen. They had Brett Favre mic'd up, and he went up to one of the refs before the game and asked if – they had any left-handed footballs because he wanted to – he was like, the only thing I haven't done in my career is throw one left-handed. So he asked the refs if they had any left-handed footballs. That's kind of what I would – I would go to cards and be like, do you have any backwards hats? Because I'm a backwards hat kind of guy. Oh. There you go. You got the little hair tuft there sticking out yeah, the front. Love that. What am I, Superman? <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. That looks no, great. I don't like – no, I don't, I don't like that. Just curl it a little bit. I tried. You got too much hair for the backwards hat. Forward, forwards hat kind of guy. Yeah, I'm a forwards hat kind of guy. I'm not Tony Romo. You're also a forward thinker, Rob. That's true. Do you want to expand on that? or? Well, let's look ahead to uh, football season, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was trying to lobby an alley-oop, but that might have <laughs> sailed over the backboard there. But really, uh, we, uh, we closed the – I think we closed the curtains on baseball – and I guess throughout the summer we can talk baseball, basketball, portal stuff. I think we've got some of that. Track and field, I think, was the last active sport. The last active sport, yes. This might be an adventure tonight, folks. Uh, Kyle already – Losing some audio. He's frozen. It looks great. I don't know if he can hear me right now. I cannot hear him. Uh, But, yes, track and field was the last active sport. Now we move into football offseason specifically. I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to go ahead and remove him and hope he – there he is. See if that works. Now it's uh, blacked out. 
Great podcast. Okay, his laptop died, he says. Now he's back, back on the phone, looking even better. Off to a great start, huh? I tried to feel there while you were gone. I don't know that I did very good. I thought Yeah, I, I'm curious what you said. Second. Well, I I was trying to let you come back. Oh yeah, now we get the the, the audio covers. There we go. There it is. Perfect. All right, how's this? It's good. <laughs> great angle. That's yeah, like the perfect they... selfie angle. You're you're getting up there. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's Screen... gonna go on no context, GG. Screenshot this, baby. Let's go. There it is. Um, okay, what what was the exact moment when I cut out? Because my laptop literally just went black. I had no warning. That track and field was the final active sport. And then yeah. I finished your thought that now it's officially football off season. I think that's yes. where you're going. You and me are on the same wavelength, my friend, as always. So now that it's uh, football off season, and I guess uh, Joey McGuire was giving us or giving track and giving West Kitley and giving the baseball team some leeway to go ahead and get their sports out of the way before he drops some big news for the off season and has officially named Tyler Shuck as the QB one uh, level of surprise is probably at a two for me. Not that it was Tyler Shuck, but that he announced it before the fall camp. I thought that was kind of going to be a summer thing, but he announced it and uh, here we are. Shredded Shuck, going to be the QB1. Yeah, I think the timing was the only somewhat strange part because you either name a guy going into spring ball, coming out of spring ball, or same deal, before fall camp, coming out of fall camp. And so more or less kind of split the difference exactly evenly. And so that, that was a little bit strange. It's like I wonder what the impetus was for calling that now. But, um, yeah, not not surprised. I, I think I was intrigued by it because we know Morton is very talented and capable. Didn't think it was like a 100% deal, but certainly Shuck, the heavy favorite, um, going into the spring, coming out of the spring. You know, there wasn't really anything that indicated things would be different than we thought going in. So not a surprise. I'm curious. I, I think definitely the play calling is was different last year with Tyler Shuck, different from Donovan Smith, different than Baron Morton. And so – of course, Donovan Smith out of the picture now, but I'm, I'm curious to see the extent to which this reshapes the offense. Does Kitley call it around Shuck or with the entire offseason? Um, do we just go in with QB1 and Kitley calls the offense like he would call it if either guy was out there? And we know one of the reasons that Tyler Shuck was named the starter last year is because he had more of a command at the line of scrimmage. So does Tyler Shuck call the game for Tyler Shuck? which I think is what we saw in the bowl game. Uh, If he has kind of everything he wants to do uh, at his disposal now, and he can go out and make all the calls at the line of scrimmage, then yeah, we might see a different offense for the entire year if he can stay healthy. Uh, And I only say that not because he's been hurt before, but because he ran 23 times in the bowl game and, you know, 23, 260 carries, for a quarterback just seems unreasonable to me. For sure. Um, I do think, I think his injury concerns were overblown. Um, And I've discussed this on the podcast. I don't really subscribe to the quote injury prone theory. I think if you tear your ACL, that doesn't make you any more or less likely to break your arm 
the next season. He had basically, I think, the same shoulder injury, and as you've alluded to multiple times, now has a titanium plate where that bone is. Besides that, I don't think he's um, suffered any any other injuries. He's a big dude. He's 6'4", 6'5", I think every bit of 225, 230. And look, he toted the rock, what was it, 23 times against Ole Miss and looked just fine doing it. Like you said, you don't want your quarterback carrying the ball 300 times a season. But I'm not really concerned about injuries. I think he's just as likely to get hurt as basically anybody else. And and that could certainly happen. And I think you might have one of the more talented backup quarterbacks in the entire country behind him. Uh, we got a, a sampling of Baron Morton last year. He played, I think, one half of healthy football against Oklahoma State, which at the time was a top 10 team on the road. And after that, a little bit hobbled by injury. You saw some brilliance. You saw some really bad reps against Baylor. So, anyway, I, I think it's not a surprise to see Shuck. I think the, I, the only thing I don't like is I know fans love Baron Morton, and, and I do too, but every single turnover game we lose, whatever, with Shuck, you're just going to have that same quarterback discourse that you always have when there's any hint of quarterback controversy. That was on steroids last year when you had three different guys that were all capable and kind of different playing styles. Now we just have two, but I think that will sort of always be there among fans. It's just that – sports mantra of the backup quarterback always being the most popular guy on the team, especially when you're facing adversity. So I guess we'll have to deal with that as fans this season. Um, but I think this is probably the right choice as, as tantalizing as Baron Morton is. I think you can maybe wait another year on that and he'll be primed and ready to go this season if called upon or next season as a full-time starter. I think we could have sky high expectations for him at that point too. Yeah, you could have some Tim Tebow in Denver level billboard screaming from fans on Baron Morton coming in. But uh, as you know, I've come around on Tyler Shuck. I am very excited for him this year, more than I have been in the two previous years. Um, I really wanted to see another quarterback early in his first campaign. I really wanted to see another quarterback last year, uh, even though he kind of got hurt. I wanted to see Baron Morton early uh, before the season just because I wanted to know what we had. I wanted to stick with a young guy that could stick around for three years, but I didn't think Tyler Shuck was coming back. He won the final four games, and now he's back. And I think that is – if I had known he was going to be back 100%, I would have lobbied for him to be the starting quarterback last year. So – it is also crazy in hindsight, you know, assuming Chuck keeps this position as starter through the season opener. Like, let's say he makes it through the season, mostly healthy, playing well enough to keep his job. You know, maybe Baron Morton gets a start or two uh, because of one of those factors. But, like, let's say generally Tyler Chuck starts and finishes the season as a starting quarterback. If you would have told me back in, what, 2019 when Baron Morton committed that it would be year four on campus for him before he goes into the season as a starting quarterback. I would have definitely taken the under on that for all the reasons you outlined. Like you don't expect Chuck to be here this long. There was even hype of him coming in as a true freshman. I remember Cody Hodges, former Texas Tech gunslinger, going on the radio and saying, no, this kid's good enough. He's going to start as a true freshman. That, of course, didn't happen. I don't think that was close to happening. But if you told me when he signed on the dotted line, hey, year four is when he's going to step into that role, I would have thought, no way. Like with all the – all the talent there, all the hype around it. 
And until Chuck transferred in, not a very competitive quarterback room. I, I just, in that sense, looking back on it through that lens, I, it's a little bit surprising. Yeah, committed in 2019, got on campus in 2020, of course. Um, played in 2021 against Oklahoma State. So, you know, he had those two free years. He had the 2020 year, and then he redshirted in 2021. So, as far as the, you know, the roster makeup goes, he's got a couple of years left still, and, and year four is not a big deal, as big of a deal as it, it could have been. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that is wild when you put it in that way, that he's not going to be the starter potentially till 2024. Yeah. Um, because his big superlative coming in was this is the highest-ranked quarterback prospect we've had since Graham Harrell. And when you're recruiting at that high of a level, relative to where the quarterback room was when he committed, you just wouldn't think, okay, unless this guy's a bust and he's not worth the hype, which I don't think is true, you know, there's no way he goes three full seasons without being the starting quarterback other than you know being called upon during um, injury or something like that. So I, And it's also strange – you know, to think about like the butterfly effect of some of this and the domino effect, if he doesn't get hurt against, you know, TCU, does he just stay as a starting quarterback last year? Surely he goes into this season as a starting quarterback, if that's the case. And so he, I think, kind of lost his job to circumstance at first, but then to Shuck playing well. And they said, well, we're not going to switch it back again if we're winning games with Shuck. And so I don't know. I think it was, as we've covered, I think Tyler Shuck was a heavy favorite to win this starting job, but I don't think that – I think Morton also could have held it on – held on to it himself had he not been the victim of injury last season. So I, I don't think the gap there is super wide at all. I think they're just going with the older guy, the more experienced guy, who didn't give you any reason down the stretch to make a change. So I'm going to give you a line here, and then also if you're watching on YouTube, you can enter the sweepstakes in the comment section. Uh, six and a half starts for Tyler Shuck over under. So hit uh, over under in the comment section. And Kyle, I want your thoughts as well. Over. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he started, especially if that includes a bowl game, he started, let's see, five last year. Yep. Montana State and then the final four. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Murray State and Murray then State. the final four. And that was with missing two months of the season due to injury. Yeah. And so, uh, barring, you know, a pretty severe injury like that, I, I think you'd have to go over. Because, you know, in, in years past, you had a little bit of a buildup before there were competitive games. This year, you, you play a tough road game. It's not a Power 5 opponent, but going to Wyoming is tough. And then Oregon, who's going to be top 15, barring a really big upset week one. And so, like, let's say Shuck doesn't play super well against Oregon. You're not going to – Surely he has a longer lease than like one bad game, one loss to a really good opponent before they make a switch. And so you got to imagine like he's going into Big 12 play at minimum as a starter, unless we just see something like awful those first three games. So, yeah, I think barring, you know, a, a severe injury that keeps him out several weeks, I, I feel comfortable with the over there. Chase says over offensive line has improved and surely he's learned to slide by now. I, I don't get I don't gather the fact that uh, Tyler Shuck wants to slide. I don't think so. And both of his both of his injuries were guys kind of jumping on his back. So you don't really slide in that situation anyways. 
uh, a guy jumping on his back, falling on him. And again, it's the same collarbone. I'm not a doctor, but that collarbone is titanium now. And uh, titanium, I believe, is stronger than bone. I'm not a doctor either, Rob, but I do know the clavicle, or as people like you call it, the collarbone, uh, is the last bone in the body. Yeah, Other non-doctors like yourself. Yeah, that, That's the last bone in the human body to finish developing. I think it's not totally done until age 25, so not surprising that it, that's a vulnerability for some guys. But again, we're talking about a, a dude last year against an SEC opponent, the big bad SEC. Like, we're running quarterback power on the goal line saying, hey, man, go get three yards, put your head down. And so, like, I don't think the coaching staff is terribly concerned about it. So I, I guess I shouldn't be either. And yeah. I felt like I was going crazy last year telling everybody that Tyler Shuck was a better runner than Donovan Smith. And I think we saw that, and I think I was a little bit vindicated the final month of the season. And by the way, I'm going to go on this tangent. I started rewatching kind of in-depth the games from last season in order. I'm a little worried if, if Dana does some quarterback development on Donovan Smith, because you're reminded watching him, yeah, there are mistakes, but there are also a lot of tools there. And I still think – Donovan Smith has a lot of potential there at Houston. So I, I count me as a little bit worried there. If he takes the next step as a quarterback, I think he could still be really good, even though it didn't work out for him here. I agree. And I think he was the third best quarterback in this quarterback room moving forward. But I think that's because of what I think of the other two, as opposed to what I think of Donovan Smith. I, you know, Dogovan, we had the whole saga. We love Donovan Smith. And uh, I agree with you there that especially with Dana and how he treats and uses quarterbacks, he could really fit in that system uh, with what he does well and how Dana kind of covers offensively. Now, he doesn't have a bunch of weapons at Houston, uh, especially after they lost McCaskill, but is what it is. I think they still have uh, – I mean, I, they don't have a Big 12 roster, but they don't have – a bad roster. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, they're losing similar to when we talked to the guys from Cincinnati a couple weeks ago, Houston is losing their top passer, their top rusher, their top receiver from last year. So yeah, the weapons conversation is certainly a worthy one, but man, I'm looking at some of those throws, you know, it's like 15 yard outs to the sideline. Like Donovan can zip it. Like with accuracy, it's a good looking ball. And I didn't. I, I think he's an athletic guy. I don't think that necessarily means he's a good runner because he rarely made guys miss. You know, they use him in short yardage a lot. But other than that overtime play when the seas parted, he didn't really have a ton of, like, huge runs against them or Texas or NC State for that matter. So I think his his athleticism gets lost in translation. People assume he's a good runner because of that. But really more than his athleticism, his arm, he still has a live arm. And, like, if he can – do that consistently, take care of the football, make better decisions. He can be a really good quarterback in this league. So I was rewatching those games, you know, early in the season with him. And I'm like, yeah, he, he's still a pretty good quarterback. The tools are there for sure. All right. Uh, we also had some football news uh, times three today. We'll see. Maybe four. Maybe four. Um, we're not the, the, the duo to – dive into recruiting generally uh we love following it uh, but we don't generally break recruiting news um 
somebody asked us earlier in a group chat who they were, and I, I didn't respond. And then he said, "Never mind." In thirty minutes, <laughs> we'll have to text him back later. But, um, it's good to see when you have a recruiting weekend that you come away with commits, and when you have some official visits, and guys see what you're doing and believe in you, and commit on the spot. Now, does that mean that they will be committed in December? No. It is a verbal commitment. People flip all the time. But to, to have visits, you know, Gerlich is undefeated after this offseason after official visits. Uh, McGasland, if he's gotten a guy to campus, which he hasn't always, and we'll talk about that in a minute, if he's gotten a guy to campus, they've committed. Um, and in football, when you're getting a bunch of these high-level, high four-star, three-star five-star kids to campus next weekend uh, and you're getting them to commit before they leave. That is really, really cool and special. And it lets you see inside the program a little bit. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Uh, I'm a subscriber on, on, uh, on Red Raider sports. I think Ben Golan, did you know that's how it's pronounced? I did not, but I, uh, I noticed you said that the other day. Yeah. I think he does a great job covering recruiting. And it was funny because ahead of this weekend, you know, they knew there were going to be a ton of visitors. And he was like basically trying to lower expectations. He was like, you know, I don't know if guys are going to commit this weekend because they've got other visits to take. And then we start getting all these bat signals and hints from the various assistant coaches. And so he's kind of getting raked across the coals a little bit there. But I would rather be pleasantly surprised with three or four recruits than him be like, oh, yeah, big weekend. A lot of guys are going to commit. And then, like, you know, maybe you get one or two. But yeah, I mean, it. I remember being at this point some summers and years past and being like, okay, we've got like one commit and hopefully some guys make to campus this summer, yada, yada. And like we had an offensive lineman, Casey Poe, on campus this week. I don't know if he's going to commit or not. Dude has an offer from like Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, the Dallas Cowboys. And he's taking an OV to Lubbock. Like that didn't happen in the past. I think you're very much in it with Micah Hudson. That's what all the reporting indicates. Like you said, you and I have no inside scoop on recruiting. But, I mean, yeah, it's a different world we're living in. And assuming this weekend went as well as the Twitter bat signals seem to indicate, I think you're probably going to be close to solidifying another top 25 or 30-ish class. You did that last season. And the year before that, with just six weeks of work in front of him before signing day, right after McGuire got hired, I think he got you up into the mid-30s. And once you start recruiting like that year after year, top 30-ish class every year, you do, that's when you start to reload and you don't look around and go, oh, we have depth issues at this, this, and this position. You go, no, we have a pipeline of dudes coming in every single year, and then you supplement in the portal as needed. So I, I think they're nailing the evals. I think they're nailing the recruiting. As long as the development component is there, I don't see how this isn't. One of the most talented rosters, You know, I'm talking like top two or three most talented rosters, in the new Big 12 starting in 2024. The 2024 class, I'm looking at the team rankings in the Big 12. This is before these guys have been added. Uh, do you want to take a stab at the top four right now in the team rankings? Have you looked lately? I have not. Is this like kind of a trick question? Kind of, yeah. Um, Top four. And this is for 2024, so Oklahoma and Texas are not involved. Okay, top, top four in the Big 12. The new Big 12, yeah. West Virginia, are they in the top four? They are not. Seven. Oh, okay. Uh, UCF? UCF is number two. 
TCU. TCU is number four. Baylor. Baylor is number nine. Oh, you hate to see that. You hate to see that. Man, did their recruiting so far? Has their recruiting really fallen off that much since McGuire and Blanchard left? Well, they have. They have a four star and five three stars, but only six in the class so far, which is why they're low. They have a four star and five three stars. Yeah. So, that sounds like this past weekend in Lubbock, Texas, is their entire recruiting class. So good for them. You know, an upstart program. They're going to need some help in the new Big Twelve. Yeah. You know, they thought I was trolling and I'm making some crackpot points when I talk about how screwed they are without McGuire. Well, we won the Sugar Bowl without him, like kind of, but he built that roster twice. Yeah. It He's going now. So, anyway. Um, okay. So, I got UCF at two uh, and TCU at four. Yeah. I, I mean, are we up there? I'm sure. Number one. Of course. People used nine. to seeing that. Yeah. You have nine commits, two four stars. And then three stars. Uh, K-State, they've been doing pretty good. K-State not in the top four. They are at six. Oklahoma State is at five. BYU, I'm running out of guesses here. Oh, Cincinnati. Satterfield's done a good job. Cincinnati. Yeah, I should have guessed that quicker. They've got ten guys in the class. One four-star, eight three-stars. Technically, Texas Tech has two four-stars and six three-stars with nine commits. Uh, One is unrated on on three so far, but – you know how those recent commits are unrated and then high three-star, four-star in a couple of weeks once they get offers from all the usuals like Notre Dame and Ohio State. Yeah, you know, we, we might lose a guy or two to the, the typical Blue Bloods that basically use James Blanchard as their recruiting consultant. They just see a tech offer go out and they go, we should offer that guy. Emmett Jones is doing it at OU. Am I allowed to name names here? I mean, yeah. we've got Ivan Carrion committed and – Emma Jones takes another job, and all of a sudden, Ivan Carrion has an OU offer. Yeah, we're not coaches. Dozy uh, Ezukanba. Yeah. He's been um, offered by OU now. Dude, I'm going to be so obnoxious in the new Big 12 starting 2024. Anytime we lose a game to anybody, I'll be like, well, you know, you got to tip your hat to that roster of scrappy three stars, punching up and beating Texas Tech. <laughs> I'm going to do that, and it's going to be annoying as hell to other fans, but – I won't be able to help myself. Yeah. And I've earned this. Okay, I've followed recruiting through Cliff Kingsbury, who thought defensive players were optional and parlayed Patrick Mahomes into, like, you know, a couple 5.6 rated three stars. And so the pendulum is swinging back finally, and I'm going to I'm gonna be annoying about it. I'm just getting out ahead of this. Going to be annoying. You're not yeah. annoying. <laughs> no. Hey, I – Yeah. Uh, I, I mostly left Baylor. Sorry, incoming call. Um, I mostly left Baylor alone for going six and seven and losing a bowl game to Air Force in their arch rival stadium this season. By the way, those uh, commits so far, I'll just name them. Uh, an edge rusher, a wide receiver, the two four stars, quarterback, offensive line, offensive line, athlete, tight end. Offensive line athlete. Did you see Will Hammond's pictures with um, Casey Poe from the official visit? I did. He looks he looks shredded to me. He does. He's only a rising senior in high school. Did you see the six pack? I, I bet he has a six pack under there. We should ask 
somebody who covers recruiting for Texas Tech, if they have any sources that would indicate if any of our players have a six-pack. You, you know what that tweet reminded me of? Well, tell the people what you're talking about. Um, a tweet from a, a guy who covers UT recruiting. Yeah. I'm going to limit the number of, like, call-outs by name per episode to, like, one or two. So uh, it, it was quote-tweeted on the Gaucho's Twitter account if you want to check it out. But tweeting, like, um, have you ever seen that parody account of, like, the official news of North Korea? It's just, like, way over-the-top propaganda. Um, that's what it's like. You know, we are blessed with sunny weather today because Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un has decided to grace us with such. That's, like, how Quinn Ewers is being covered by some in the Texas media. It's like, according to sources, he has washboard abs and looks completely shredded. It's like, this is not a normal way, in my opinion, to cover collegiate athletes. How was how he at Ohio State? Just because he wasn't starting, he got he got unshredded. Is that is that what we're saying? I was like telling my wife, I was like, you can go to any D one football player's Instagram page, and if they're swimming or at the beach this summer, you can probably just take a look for yourself. And they're also really good athletes, so most of them are probably gonna be pretty muscular. Do you know who was shredded? Who? Nick Shimanek. Yeah. Dude is ripped. He's got like the tats and everything. Yeah, now he's like an Instagram uh, workout guy. When he was here, we should have started our podcast several years earlier and been like, sources are saying that Shimonek's arms with the tattoos are just, the sweat is glistening just perfectly off the West Texas sun during two days. We could have gone really over the top with stuff like that. Chuck does not seem like a tattoo guy, but I bet he shredded as well. I, I'll, I'll say this. I just got done making fun of this guy. I saw Tyler Shuck at a luncheon before last season, and it is kind of like drawing to walk past some of these guys. You're like, okay, holy, like him and Donovan are together, and you're like, these yeah. dudes could play linebacker. Yeah. So he is he's shredded. I don't know if he has a six pack, but we'll see. Are you uh, are you taking any stock into the the Texas media because they they have been very high, it, like more high? Uh, you're smiling. Um, it does feel like they have. More concerted effort, maybe. I don't know what it's been. It's but it does feel like that. I mean, you're talking about the the North Korea propaganda, the fake Twitter account, but it does feel like they have been very, very high on uh, that quarterback room because Texas Tech has done that for a couple of years now that they have a great quarterback room, and now it feels like Texas is trying to say, you know, nobody has a better quarterback room than Texas because they have. Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. And it, it feels like they're trying to do that just because Texas Tech has done it. And maybe that's just me. I, I don't think it's that, but I have a few thoughts on it. The first is that as a program and media entities that cover that program, the number one issue from a public perception standpoint is that you're overhyped every season. Like you're always in the top 10, always in the top 25. And it never really works out that way. They, they did win the Sugar Bowl in 2018, I guess, whenever that was, as a four-loss team. Besides that, I mean, they fired the last guy for going to too many Alamo Bowls, and then they celebrated start going to the Alamo Bowl last year. So it's just like, at some point, are you guys ever going to learn that even if you believe that we're for realsies this time, and this is actually the team that deserves the top five, top ten ranking, 
and no, for real this time they're going to win the Big 12, they're going to win 11 games. Quit saying it until they do it. Like, have you not learned your lesson yet? Thought number two is that I've seen Quinn Ewers, and I saw Hudson Card in a not terribly limited sample size last year, and all of Hudson Card's numbers were better. He was the better quarterback. Now, Ewers was slinging the rock against Bama in the first half before he got hurt, like no doubt. And he was the number one recruit of all time. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not talented. But, like, I looked at two guys playing on the same team last year, and Hudson Card appeared to be the better quarterback. The stats back it up, and it's not particularly close. You have media members in the – Right. You have media members like Acho, I guess Sam Acho or Emmanuel Acho, I can't remember which one, in the middle of last season saying Texas would be undefeated had it not been for Quinn Ewers' injury, and then they lose like three more games after that. We saw Arch Manning's highlight film from high school. Like, he's going against dudes that, sorry, like wouldn't have started on my JV team. Now, I know his last name is there, the pedigree is there, I'm sure the talent is there, but you look at that and it wasn't terribly impressive. I don't know if I would go as far as others and say, like, if he played at a 6A in Texas and his last name was Smith, he'd be a three-star, I don't know. But I saw his spring game at Texas, and it was, I mean, it looked like me out there. So do they have this amazing quarterback room, the likes of which college football fans have never seen? I, I doubt it. So we'll see, like, in my opinion, I saw Shuck last year. I saw Ewers last year. I'm not going to say which one is better than the other, but, like, was there some just gaping difference? I don't think so. I saw Morton last year, and I saw Manning's highlights from high school. I saw his spring game. Is there a gap there? Yes, and Morton is the better quarterback there. So is their quarterback room better than ours? Probably not. Maybe marginally if Ewers is that much better than Shuck, but certainly not worthy of all this media hype. Excited for that game. I know it's the last one of the year. You got to be focused on uh, Wyoming first and foremost, uh, and then game planning for Oregon as much as you can. But is what it is. All right, you want to move on to a couple of other sports. One PGA note: Ludwig Aberg yeah. tying for twenty fifth in the RBC Canadian Classic, his first um, official PGA Tour member PGA event. Tied for 25th at minus seven. Um, won his matchup today. I saw somebody bet on that in the Discord. Yeah, he's obviously got a bright future. I'm, and I'm kind of glad that Liv and PGA appear to be merging because I wanted to see Mito play in some majors. He, he's been golfing really well on the Liv Tour. Yep. Having, having two Red Raiders that you know are going to be fixtures, hopefully above the cut line and being competitive on Sundays in majors makes that sport a lot more fun to follow for kind of more casual fans of golf like myself. I want to talk track and field just a little bit. Our four by one team cooked everybody else before we get there. Let's talk about something else that's being cooked up in the hub city. I hear that you have news from inside the eight Oh six related to one of our sponsors. Yeah, we have a, a brand new sponsor. Uh, Rahino barbecue has moved on to Rahino barbecue market. And they're going to have a brick and mortar in Olton. Uh, very excited for them. I've loved their kind of combo boutique family market. And then you have the the patio there in Olton. They're going to move to a brick and mortar. They haven't yet, I don't believe. Um, but the construction is underway. We drove by it the last time I was in Olton. It looks pretty sweet. Um, very excited for them. And I think it's going to be 
You can follow them on Facebook, Rojino Barbecue Market. Um, they've started a new Facebook page, so you can go read all about it. I think they're going to have a big party when they move over, so we'll have to have a presence out there, hopefully. Um, same old barbecue, elite stuff. They've had the uh, pork belly burn-ins the last couple of times. I've yet to be able to try them. I'm I'm very frustrated that I have not been able to yet, uh, but maybe we can get that done here in June. Well, and we alluded to the kickoff times a couple episodes ago. Oregon is a night game, so if you're going back to Lubbock for that one, there's time to go grab lunch in Olton if you need to, but I would imagine they might also have the food truck back up and running again by then in the Lubbock area. So a lot to check out, and good news for them, happy for them. You know, they're they're relatively new at this in the grand scheme of things. Like, it's just a family that started cooking barbecue one day a few years ago. So to see them expand to the food truck, I think last year and now brick and mortar, and the food truck is awesome. Couldn't happen to a more deserving group of people. And the barbecue is really damn good, too. So that doesn't hurt. Maybe a Cardinals tailgate 2.0 with Rojino? Maybe so. That uh, was a big hit last year. It was really fun before the Houston game. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That is not uh, confirmed. I just brought that up right now. <laughs> Did you watch our 4 by one team get absolutely hosed? I did. They cooked everyone, and then, uh, as you alluded to, got hosed. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on the rules of track and field, but other people who do know them explain them quite well. In a relay race where you're passing the baton, you have to release the baton within a zone. And you know, it's kind of like football. It's not where like the body is. It's does the ball cross the plane. It's that sort of thing. They disqualified our team, which set a school record, a meet record, and of course, initially looked like they were going to win the gold medal in that event. DQ'd them, I think, on where the guy's foot was when the baton was exchanged. His foot was on the line, but he's reaching back for the baton, so the baton is behind him. It looks pretty clear in the still image that um, the guy passing the baton had let go and that it's fully in the hand of the receiving runner. I... I genuinely, I'm not just even like trying to angle for sports trash talk here. I hate it for those four young men who don't appear to have done anything wrong. If you get DQ'd for an actual offense or you cheated, that's one thing. But it looked to me like they were the fastest team out there. They worked all year for that. They earned it. They deserve to be champions. It it wouldn't it didn't cost Texas Tech the team championship, but those four individuals would have been recognized as NCAA champions. And I think it would have moved Texas Tech from a sixth-place finish at the national meet up to third place. And so they would have actually received a trophy for that. The top four receive a trophy. Would have been a podium finish. And so track and field is tough in that respect. You know, in football, if you false start, you get five yards, you line it up, you get to do it again. In track, if you commit an offense like that, you're just completely out of it and no opportunity to make it up. They look like the deserving champions to me, and so I hate it for those young men that – earned it. They earned the right to be called NCAA champions. And in my opinion, due to a misapplication of the rules, they will not be officially recognized as such. Although Kirby Hocutt, the GOAT AD, said they will be recognized as champions at Texas Tech. So I hope they list them in the in the school record books as the school record holders. I hope they, you know, look, we give UCF and people like that crap for claiming stuff that isn't reality. This one is a little bit different. There's photo evidence of the fact that they passed the baton in the zone. And so I'm all for recognizing them as, as if they won that event because they did. Uh, Chase, the expert track and field 
aficionado says, uh, do you realize our sprints coach, who is one of the best at that event in the country, called out the NCAA for screwing his guys? When have you ever seen that happen? Coaches calling out officials. That's true. Very, very rarely. Uh, most coaches say, I can't answer that because I don't want to get fined. But to go out and and we have guys uh, adding the NCAA uh, on Twitter, um, maybe not the best thing to do if you're a track athlete who's coming back and you're going to be uh, running again next year. But it's I don't care. Way. Yeah, I don't you care. Got, you got those, man. Do it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, no Sunday scaries when the gauchos are live. It's true. Ryan says it. Do you know what the Sunday scaries are, Kyle? Yeah, I get them bad sometimes. Not as much as other people, I don't think. But I've never really understood it. Is it just like I don't like Sunday? Sunday scaries for me is the feeling of like watching the um, the three thirty p.m. NFL game come to a close, and you can start to smell that like mom is cooking vegetables in the kitchen, and you're like, "Crap, I gotta like find an outfit to wear to school tomorrow." Is my homework done? Gotcha. And like reality setting and weekend is over back to the grind of fourth grade tomorrow. That's the Sunday scaries. I guess in my job, uh, sports are kind of just week round. So yeah, I don't, it's all, it's all Sunday to me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, what else do we have on the docket? Uh, basketball recruiting. Uh, Kaluma from Creighton is going to Kansas State. I hate it. Uh, I don't like that at all, but good for Kansas State. Drum Tang is an elite recruiter and has gotten some really, really good guys out of the portal. He rebuilt that roster magnificently last year. Um, Kaluma really, really fits that Kansas State style. I think he's going to be really good there. Uh, but you couldn't even get him to the campus uh, and then there's tweets coming out that uh, you might have to fight off Charlotte, the NBA franchise, for an assistant coach. Um, that also seems a little bit scary. But again, it's June. And early May, I said, if we get to June, I'll be worried. And then late May, I said, well, if we get to when school starts, I'll be worried. Um, I don't know where I am on the worried meter for this basketball program. But it does kind of make me question some things that you don't have a full staff. Now, if your main staff member you've been going after gets hired by an NBA franchise, you can't, like, complain, right? If you're trying to get him to the number two position at Texas Tech and he's hired uh, – oh, maybe it's not even an NBA franchise. Maybe it's a, a D2 school. I have no idea. When I read Charlotte, I read NBA. Yeah, I haven't read anything about that, so I don't know. If it's a head, if it's Charlotte, uh, if it's a head coaching role at Charlotte University, still head coaching is different than number two. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. That's all I'm trying to say. I really have no idea. But yeah, I, it, it feels like uh, McGaslin doesn't have any idea right now either. Sometimes. Is it okay for me as a fan? Like, I baseball just ended. I was pretty invested in that. Yeah. Um, football is kind of my my first love. 
I'm I'm just in wait and see mode on basketball. I'm not super invested in the I'm not following the portal like I have in years past. I'm kind of in the mode of like I'm not gonna freak out on Twitter about Coach Gas and he's gonna assemble a roster eventually and I'll take a look at who's on it and then they'll take the court in I guess November. Yeah. And we'll and we'll go from there. But at this juncture it just doesn't seem like the program is in a place where it's worth getting too worked up over in June. We have a new coach in year one who needs to completely rebuild the culture, needs to assemble a staff, needs to fill out, I think, maybe two more roster spots. So I'm I'm not stressed about it. I, I, I'm just not. Yeah, I'm not stressed about the roster. I think the roster is in a good spot. But it does feel a little bit weird you don't have a staff yet. A staff is like a week two thing. Usually, but I think there's been noise about Guys haven't been officially announced as hired for a reason. I, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm. I hope this is okay. I know other fans are more interested in this than I am, but I. It's not moving the needle for me right now. I. I just got done with baseball season. I'm counting down to kickoff, and like I'm trying to now gear my mind toward what's the conference's returning production in football. What do we need to know about these newcomers? Let's take a look at the schedule. And I, basketball is just on the back burner for me. I, I'm being fully transparent here. Yeah, basketball is my third favorite Texas Tech sport. And to be perfectly honest, I've purchased uh, Lady Raiders season tickets, and I've not purchased the men's season tickets. I know it's a lot harder to do so. Um, but it could be that the men are going to be my fourth favorite team this year. I have no idea. Uh, we'll see what happens. The Lady Raiders are – are getting some really good momentum right now. Uh, they just got a four star for the next class uh, to commit uh, top 100 players. So you're excited about that as well. Hey, coach, coach Gaslick is knocking it out of the park. Gaslick, that, that's not going to catch on. <laughs> I don't like that as much. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm like supportive of the higher. I'm not worried about the program long-term. I don't know if this season will be good, but I'm just not in a spot right now, to be honest with you. Like, I'll start thinking about basketball season in October. And that's fair. And I think you'll have a staff before school starts in August or September, whatever it is now. Um, so, again, I, I'm not worried, especially about the roster, because uh, you still have – the NBA uh, process wrapping up and all of that. So again, it's, it's uh, you're not at a point to be worried per se. I don't know that that's the right word, but uneasy that there's no staff yet is, is proper to me. I know you're not worried or uneasy. Um, I'm a little bit, a little bit, very, very sh small amount. That's fair. Three, three out of 10, maybe. Yeah. Um, let's see. Were there any other tidbits we wanted to cover on basketball, basketball or anything else before we get to the mailbag? Well, we've had some baseball portaling. Um, let's, I'm going to try to do this from memory. Brendan Gurton, Dylan Carter, Andrew Devine. I'm not trying to be flippant, but a young man I, I hadn't heard of. Um, Cade McGar. Cade Key. That's the one. Uh, I, I think the, the, Two biggest ones that maybe caught people off guard, uh, Dylan Carter, which I honestly thought that was 50-50 without insight, just thinking 
Yeah. Um, and then the, the one that I'm probably most bummed about and where I thought he would have a good role next year was Hudson White. Um, I think that covers the portal for now, besides the two that we mentioned, actually before the season ended, uh, Jarrett Curtis and Ryan Brome, I think. So H- Hudson White, I think, got a lot of grief for his defensive ability as a catcher. And I think some of that is warranted. I, I don't know if he's your everyday catcher. But he played first base his freshman year. He DH, played second base this year. I, I would have loved to have kept his bat, which I thought was a really good bat, in the lineup. Maybe he catches the midweek or Saturday to give the primary catcher some rest, and then you move him around the infield, DHing. Thought he could have still been a great asset to this team in that kind of role next year. And that's why I'm bummed to see him go. I don't know if you remember this, but – when Hudson White was struggling at the plate and Austin Green was struggling and they were trying to move Hudson White to second base and he he played a little – he played third base, I think, a game and they were moving him around. I said, man, if Hudson White can't figure out how to play catcher, I don't know that there's a spot for him next year. And down the stretch when he was so good, I kind of got off of that idea. And I'm not going to say blindsided that he entered the transfer portal, but midway through the year, I thought he was an absolute candidate to leave. Uh, I did not think that at the end, again, I'm not trying to claim that I knew this was coming. Um, I'm not some super genius, but uh, Bazell is going to get more reps at catcher. Maxi is going to get the same reps at catcher at least, or if not more. Uh, the entire infield is returning. Travis Sanders is still here. The recruiting class is coming in with infielders. Like if you look at it, when you talk about if a guy can hit, you find him a place to stand. Where does Hudson White stand? Does he stand in left field? Do you try to Gabe Holt him and put him in right field? Where does Owen Washburn stand? Where does Gage Harrelson stand? Both of those guys were coming on. Uh, people talk about Owen Washburn like he struggled. He had a nine-game hitting streak when he got hurt and was really, really coming on. So is it a bummer that Hudson White is leaving? Yes. But where does he start next year for sure? And if that's a conversation, he walks in and says, hey, Coach Tadlock, uh, is there a guaranteed role for me next year? And Tim Tadlock says, well, son, no, you'll have to earn it. And Hudson said, have I not earned it the last two years? Freshman of the year, best hitter in uh, the Big 12 down the stretch. And Tim says, well, next year is different than this year. You got to be where your feet are, son. Uh, And then they said, all right, well, mutually, I think it's better that I leave. I I think that's how it went. And if there's not a, a guaranteed role for him, why would Hudson White not go look around or go down a level and dominate or go to Dallas Baptist? When you talk about going down a level, um, it's all the same level really in baseball. So it's kind of like basketball in that respect. You can go anywhere and still make the same tournament. And it's an even playing field, unlike football. For sure. I mean, there are programs – across the state of Texas that aren't in a major conference and across the South, like the Sun Belt is usually pretty loaded. 
He could go to Texas State, UTSA. UTSA, I think, rose to like 13 or 16 in the polls this year. Yeah. Oral Roberts yeah. is in Omaha. Oral Roberts, Dallas Baptist. Um, and he could just go – he could also probably find his way to an SEC or Pac-12 roster if he wants to go to Arizona, Arizona State. And he, he's a good player. He's He was Big 12 freshman of the year two years ago. Has a really good bat from the right side of the plate. I – He's a much more experienced and accomplished player than the situation I'm going to compare this to. But it kind of reminds me of Donovan Smith. Like, hey, you can come back next year. You can – we will design an offense where you can uh, receive passing touchdowns. You can run the ball in yourself and we'll use you as a quarterback. But you're not going to be the starting quarterback. And Donovan Smith could have stayed and carved out a really cool Taysom Hill kind of role for himself. I think that's probably what happened here. It was like, hey – you're not going to be the everyday starter at catcher. We will work you in maybe in the midweek. We'll get you in at second base. You'll be doing some DHing. And he probably said to himself, no, I want to be at the same position, a staple in a lineup every day. And so I see some Texas Tech fans kind of trying to minimize it. And you do have talent across the board and coming in. Like that's never really been a problem under the Tadlock administration. But it, it's a little bit copy to me to, like, lose a guy who was Big 12 freshman of the year and be like, oh, yeah, we're fine without him. No, I mean, he he would have been a help had he stayed this season, just like Donovan Smith. Um, so that one stings. I think the others you can more or less explain away. But this is one where I'm like, yeah, we're, we would be a better team with him next year. Agreed. It's a definite loss. And he would have had a role 100%. I just don't know if it's the role he wanted to have, which is what you're saying. For sure. Um, and you could see Hudson White go play shortstop somewhere. That's what he played in high school. And if that's what he wants to do, if he doesn't want to be catcher anymore, I don't know. Again, I have no inside knowledge here, but it could be uh, that's the case. I believe LSU has already punched their ticket to Omaha. Uh, Oral Roberts has punched their ticket to Omaha. Virginia earlier today punched their ticket to Omaha. And Florida. Florida. Punch their tickets to And yeah. OU. Oh, I mean TCU. TCU and Wake Forest. TCU is OU from last year, and I cannot be convinced otherwise. 100%. I don't and, think uh, – I'm kicking myself for this. I don't think we made predictions before the Big 12 tournament. And I promise this isn't just hindsight. I would have told you before and TCU is going to win that, especially the way they won that tournament. I could see this result coming a mile away. I didn't think they'd get past Arkansas. I thought Arkansas was loaded. But especially when they started beating the dog out of Arkansas, I was like, okay, this team is for sure Omaha-bound and can probably do some damage when they get there too. Currently in action, uh, Stanford and Texas. Stanford leads 1-0, top the third. Texas won yesterday. So there you go. There's the baseball update. All right, you ready for a Discord mailbag? I think so. I'm uh, scrolling through Twitter to see if there's anything we – Oh, okay, like lightning round. Would you add Memphis to the FedEx Big 12 Conference if it meant $5 million more per year for Texas Tech and everybody else? Uh, yes. I I wanted Memphis over um, UCF, if you think back to it. When we were kind of getting those four, I wanted Memphis. Uh, and I think we talked about Memphis over Houston, maybe. I think in hindsight um, – I don't think Houston fans are going to want to hear this. Had Brett Yormark been commissioner, I think these three would have been the same, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF. I think he would have gotten San Diego State instead of Houston. 
I think he would have said, we've got Texas covered. Uh, we really want to get into the fourth window. And that, you know, in hindsight, I could, I could see it both ways. If Houston's sitting there for the Pac-12 today, they're probably in that conference already. But who's the second ad for the Pac-12? Like, if you if you'd already taken San Diego State off the table, who would they get in their footprint? You'd force them basically to either take SMU and Houston and, like, really try to say, yeah, we're in Texas. We've got two schools, one in Dallas, one in Houston. I don't know. But I think your mark is so obsessed with getting out west that one of the four, maybe it would have been UCF instead of Houston. I don't know. Um, I think one of the four spots would have gone to San Diego State. Well, and I think uh, one of us who was very focused on geography early on wanted Memphis as a destination. I do think that that you know, they could host the Big 12 tournament in basketball. They've got an NBA arena there. Uh, Memphis would be – had you expanded there with where everybody else is positioned is somewhat central. Maybe the Liberty Bowl could host the a rotation of the Big 12 championship game in football. So I, I don't want them alone as a school or as a brand, but if it's five mil, I mean, that's nothing to yep. sneeze at. That's like a sixth of your TV payout. So you're adding, you know, 15% there. Yeah, It's, it's not still going to catch you up to the Big Ten or SEC, but I don't know if anybody right now is in a position to turn down something that substantial that at least kind of closes the gap. Well, when the FedEx leaves the PGA because they bunked up with the Saudis, uh, they'll have even more disposable income to have the Big 12 – FedEx Big 12. And people on people on Twitter are funny, man, because they're like responding to this. They're like, well, how long is the contract for them? Like, act like you're a smart person when you write the contract and say, as long as Memphis is in the FedEx Big 12, yeah. FedEx owes us $5 million yeah. per year, uh, you know, for every team. And then they're like, well, they wouldn't just pay that much money. It's not worth it. I'm like, well, one, are you an expert in the FedEx Big 12? Like, think of what these bowl sponsorships go for. Yeah, if FedEx had their name and logo everywhere for the entire Big Twelve season, and if their CEO is a Memphis alum and he wants them in that bad, he'll subsidize it. And if it's uh, if it's let's see, uh, Texas Tech versus Oregon. Oh, today we have a great matchup between the Pac twelve and the FedEx Big Twelve. Like they're going to say it all the time. They have to. Like legally, it's the FedEx Big Twelve, and uh, every. Uh, Paul Feinbaum on his sports show, Colin Cowherd. Uh, we're going to power rank the FedEx Big 12. You know, the FedEx Big, that's such a dumb thing. They're going to ruin college athletics. It's the FedEx Big 12. It's just the Big 12 to me. Like, you're going to have radio hosts doing that. You're going to have, Supre- uh, yes, branding. It's going to be on every single, yes. And, and you know what? We have, uh, we've got some rebranding coming. We're not changing the name. We're not changing the logo. But we might be having sponsors coming. That could be one thing that Brett Yormark is going to do. I, I honestly don't know if 60 to $75 million a year for those naming rights to get your name and logo in that many places. I don't know if it is that far off. I, I don't know anything about advertising at that level. Um, you know, that's a little bit heftier than the Gambling Gaucho sponsorships that, that we inquire about. But, like, I don't know if that's just FedEx wasting money, if it, if it got their name out there to that extent. And so – uh, th- th- there was a report that th- there were rumors that your mark has, was doing his due diligence on Memphis. And then he threw kind of some cold water on that said, I've never, never gone to the university of Memphis, not talking with anybody. I don't think it's going to happen, but just as a hypothetical, people seem against Memphis as just a, an ad. And so I was trying to gauge, okay, is it 5 million? Is it 10 million? What would you need? And 60% at 5 million said yes. And so I think that's probably 
about where you would need to get to, at least from a fan sentiment standpoint? I am all in on Memphis over some of the other schools that we've heard. Uh, I think I'd be in for Memphis over San Diego State. Memphis has a rich history. Uh, Memphis has a rich history in basketball. If you're trying to do a, a basketball conference, Memphis – I mean, does Memphis make more sense than UConn? I, I don't know. And so much of this depends on who else you add, which is why I thought, like, Cincinnati and Memphis as a pair, like, with Houston, that makes sense. Because, like, those three and UCF, kind of like Randy American, Memphis fans and Houston fans hate each other, apparently. Like, that's the only thing I've ever seen Houston fans get worked up about on Twitter is Memphis. Um so I, I don't know, like like I said before, UConn makes sense if you get some ACC schools, but we won't know on that for probably another decade. You know, does San Diego State make sense if like Utah just refuses and you've got three more Pac-12 schools out there? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to naming rights. I'm all for getting creative to try to get more dollars and not fall so far behind the Big Ten and SEC that you truly are viewed as like outside of their league. So I'm open-minded to it. I don't love the idea of Memphis, but I think at $5 million per year, I, I think all parties probably say yes to that. And we've talked about naming the Big 12, getting naming rights for the conference since your mark was introduced. Like, that's not a new thing. Um, when we talked about Oregon, the Nike Big 12, the Nike Athletic Conference, whatever you want to do, um, that is something we've talked about. And if FedEx wants to do that, that makes sense to me. I wonder how much Dr. Pepper pays for the ACC championship game and the Big 12 championship game. Because I think we could get a pretty good, based on the viewership of the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game, if we knew their dollar amount, you'd say, okay, they're paying this much per viewer. And then you could maybe extrapolate that, extrapolate that and say, if the FedEx Big 12 has you know, 50 games on TV instead of just one and they get this amount of viewers, you could get it up to this dollar amount. Anyway, that was supposed to be a lightning round question, and I went on and on. Um, let's see. Mostly just some countdown to kickoff stuff, some dudes across the Big 12 and Texas Tech getting recognized. What did you think of the Big 12 mascots as painted in the style of Van Gogh's Starry Night? Big fan. I liked that. AI yeah, is cool, uh, man. Some Monet coming up. Do we have some Picasso, maybe? Stay tuned. Okay. There is more to come, but uh, I'm loving this AI stuff, man. It's kind of kind of freaky, but you can do some cool stuff with it. Uh, you memed Taylor Swift showing Emaw. Thank you, Jerome Tank, for retweeting. Skyline Chili got the people going. Brandon Urig says uh, Memphis over UConn by a mile. I, I think I agree with that. I think I agree with Memphis over UConn. I mean, they're more ready to compete in football. For sure. Even though coach recognition maybe in football is a little bit uh, higher on the UConn scale. Yeah, it's one of those things, though, as soon as Jim Moore leaves, how bad are they again? How irrelevant are they again? Yeah. Because to this point, they've only ever been a program that has found success under one head coach, Randy Edsel. So I think it's fair to be skeptical. And that's why you wait and see what happens with the Pac-12 and maybe with the ACC before. Because the group of five ones are always going to be there. Unless Fred Smith and FedEx just absolutely drop a bag, then yeah. 
I think it's okay to stand pat for now. Um, okay, I think that's all I have. We can go mailbag now. Do you have any uh, catastrophic injuries on the timeline? Uh, no, I was I was going to share a quick anecdote. Uh, I try to get the Texas Tech count, countdown to kickoff tweets off at 8.06 every morning. Um, doesn't happen as much on the weekends because, like, nobody's on social media that early. But 8.06 is kind of during my morning commute. And so unless I'm, like, late leaving the house or early enough to the office, sometimes it's earlier than that, sometimes it's later than that. But I've got to be, like, at a stop sign or a red light. I'm not going to text and drive. Uh, but I was saying if you did get pulled over for texting and driving – I don't really know if Barnett Howard and Williams is in the business of like getting speeding tickets taken care of for you, but you could try Barnett Howard and Williams, BHW law firm.com. They do much more than that. Uh, criminal defense, title nine, student litigation, family law. They hope you never need them. But if you're working through a situation like that in life and need somebody strong in your corner, this is the best law firm in the state of Texas. They're hand, they're uh, based in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across the state bhwlawfirm.com All right, time for the Diversified Lenders mailbag. Diversified Lenders turning your accounts receivable into cash. Real quick. We got one off of Twitter from one of my favorite Twitter follows named Clark. Yo, I yeah. don't think he's in the Discord. And so I'm making an exception. Usually we make people pay $5 a month, patreon.com slash gambling gouches, have access to the Discord mailbag. But I think this is a worthy question. So I'm actually going to kick us off before we get into Discord. Start bench cut, gushers, fruit roll ups, fruit by the foot. Ooh, start gushers, bench, fruit by the foot, cut, uh, fruit roll ups. I think I'm starting gushers, benching. Fruit by the foot, cutting fruit roll-ups. Solid. Same, same. Simpatico. Uh, do you live your life a quarter mile at a time? Don't understand the reference. It's fast and furious. I do. And you know what? Family is the most important thing. Uh, what is your favorite non-Texas Tech sports podcast? And then what is your favorite non-sports podcast? Okay, non-Texas Tech sports podcast. Um, let me think here. I guess, I mean, I've started to try to follow other Big 12 podcasts a little more closely. And so, um, you know, our compadres in the Republic of Football uh, podcast network would be one, but I've, I've tried to, you know, dabble in Cincinnati and Iowa State and all that as well just to, try to get a better understanding. I need to do more, you know, kind of like in the vein of 30 for 30, do like sports history kind of stuff. Cause I, I love that. There was one that was recommended to me about the, the Joe Paterno scandal at Penn state, but it, it's like, it's like a 30 part. I mean, I'd have to really commit to that. So anyway, that's my answer for the sports podcast. Um, and then non-sports podcast. I really liked, um, Texas Monthly did a true crime one on Tom Brown's body, the the kind of murder mystery from Canadian up in the Panhandle. And I thought they did a really good job with that. And so uh, uh, it was it's been years since I listened to that, but that's always kind of been one of my favorite series that was not sports related. 
My favorite non-sports one is Two Bears, One Cave. It's a Burt Crash Chrysler, Chrysler, Brent Chrysler, and uh, Tom Segura. Uh, Gauchos design your dream ballpark for Texas State baseball. I've got it. An idea. It, it definitely involves more shade because when you host regionals and super regionals as often as we have over the last decade. People get there two hours early and elbow each other to try to get a morsel of shade. And so if you're going to be a serious program that's playing in June, and we certainly are, I think that would enhance the stadium experience. You know, I've been a long time proponent of a berm. I would love in the outfield, the student section, let them drink beer out there and, catch you know 36 gavin cash dingers at dan law i think that'd be fun you leave the you know seat backs and bleachers for more of like the family experience the serious viewer and then like casual viewers kind of go out to the berm in the outfield have a good time that's how you get higher attendance as well like you're kind of limited if it's just bleachers so you got to put something in the outfield or down the sides of the you know right field line left field line if the berm is over there, I think that could also work. You see that at a lot of places, and it looks cool. So those would be a couple elements I would incorporate. People always talk about moving and building a brand-new Dan Law Field, Rip Griffin Park. I would move the track. And I got some pushback from Chase, the former track athlete, who has nostalgia for running in between the buildings over there. But if you built them a spiffy outdoor in the grass space across the way and it's uh, facing the Jones and there's more stands and it's more of an experience and you can host outdoor athletes um, at those, at that event center, whatever you want to call it. Then you have the berm space. You can push that road back. You can move the road, which I hear they're actually going to do. You take out the parking lot that's right behind Dan Lawfield on the other side. You expand the concourse, you keep it there, but you just build onto it. And I think you have the bones to make it really cool. You, you, again, you build out the awning down both right field and left field. I think you're there. Re party deck in the outfield. If you want to do bleachers or uh, a berm, whatever you want to do, you can do it out there. The, the Florida scene, where it's like a, you watch through a chain link fence and there's seats down there, that was pretty cool. So, kind of ground level. Whatever you want to do, I think you'll have the room to do it if you move the track. Uh, who will have the best upcoming season in 2023-24? Football, men's hoops, or baseball? So... I think baseball will be back to hosting a regional somewhat likely to advance past a regional. And I think for the football team to be at a similar level when we're judging how good is a season, we, we need to be talking like 10 wins, big 12 championship game appearance, something along those lines. And I think that's a little loftier than I'm willing to go. I think basketball, this is a, foundation pouring year it's not a house building year and so i'm gonna go with baseball football second 
And uh, if this was a start bench cut, it'd be baseball, football, basketball. Agreed. I, you know how high I am on the baseball team moving into next year, even with some of the portal entries. That said, if Joey is right that this year's football team would beat last year's by 14 with the way they finished the season, then he might make me look stupid. And he's a guy, you know, you love that you love the optimism. He's a guy I can't tell, like, do you actually believe this? And is this an accurate assessment or does the like hype and positivity switch just never go off with him? Because a lot of coaches would give you the coach be like, well, we got a lot to prove. We haven't earned anything yet. We got to show up week one. He's like, oh, yeah, we'd beat last year's team by 14 points. It's like, well, hang on. Like, that's that's something, if that's true. So, I don't know. I hope he makes me look stupid. And, you know, if this football team can beat last year by 14 on a neutral field, then, yeah, that, that's that's significant. Yeah, because who else has gotten better in the Big 12? Maybe Baylor, Iowa State, Texas. Yeah. Maybe OU. Uh, maybe Kansas, maybe Kansas State, but I think Deuce Vaughn and Felix and DK Uzama is a lot to replace. Maybe West Virginia, but they're so they were so bad last year. I want to talk about their quarterback sometime, Garrett Green. I think they might have something there. I think UCF is probably the best newcomer this season, but that's a that's a tough transition. So so yeah, I mean something I like what? What do you mean, Garrett Green? Yeah, I think he might be a dude. He might be a dude. The runner? Yeah. He's a gamer. We'll talk about him another time. I want to talk about him and Hunter Deckers. Hunter Deckers? Okay, I'm on I'm on the Hunter Deckers train. We'll, we'll, save it. we'll, we'll have an episode on it. Bad. Don't worry. People talk about how he was bad. He was not bad. He wasn't good, but I think that was not his fault. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. All right, ne- next question. Uh, which previous tech coach of old would you most want to go back in time and have one of their teams win a natty? That one's Man. Good. So the two that come to mind, well, three that come to mind. If Leach beat OU in 2008, obviously you'd probably play for a natty against a really good Florida team that tech fans don't want to hear. They probably would have beat you. I mean, I'm just, they, they were loaded with NFL talent. Um, the other two that come to mind are from the 70s. I think it was 70, 73, maybe 72. Jim Carlin, 10-1 and regular season. Only loss was on the road at Texas. Had they won that game, I think, you know, probably they're in that national title discussion. It's before there was a national title game, so it's hard to say for sure. And then 76 under um, Steve Sloan. Had they beaten Houston last regular season game of the season, uh, probably playing for a natty in the Cotton Bowl. So I think that game was a little bit closer. So I would say that team was the closest to having a shot to play for a natty. We'd be talking about Rodney Allison in the same vein as, you know, Texas talks about Vince Young had that team gotten the job done. So I think that's probably the one I'd go with. If you gave me five coaches, one would be Tim Tadlock. Now he's not of old. Oh, I was thinking football only. My bad. So would I. That's what I was about to say. Mm. If you gave me five coaches, I'd go Larry Hayes and then give you four football coaches. Mike Leach, uh, Sloan, like you're saying, Carlin, and then Spike Dykes. I know Spike wasn't ever close, but if if like I won a football championship since the 70s, 
that's what I would go to. Not even like was it were they close? Was it an opportunity? If you're if you let me go back and give somebody a, a championship, it would be a football national championship or Larry Hayes to get a baseball championship. Yeah, and if it's just total fantasy land, like pick anybody, I'm I'm picking Cliff because that story is great. Like yeah. former quarterback comes back and wins a natty as a coach, like that'd be awesome. And you wouldn't have had a decade of suck. Chris Beard. No. Hold on. <laughs> That's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but if you're talking about opportunity and, you know, that would be one that you were the closest, right? You're a shot away. Right. Uh, how many baseball coaches have been – okay, he answered this one. Uh, how many baseball coaches have been to Omaha at least four times in the last 11 years like Tadlock? And then he did quick research. This is from Cody. Uh, Florida has had five appearances since 2013. Texas, Mississippi State, Vandy, Louisville, TCU have had four as long as 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 well as Texas Tech. And then he said Florida's only had four. So since 2013, you and a bunch of schools have had four point appearances, and according to Cody, nobody has had more than four. Yeah, and so speaking of Florida baseball, they take care of South Carolina two to zero in the super regional and, you know, program like the Gamecocks regional host, really good season. They've got to be taking a long, hard look internally. Like you can't just go to Gainesville and lose two games on the road to one of the best teams in the country. So hopefully their coaching staff is feeling the pressure and all that, because it's obviously an unacceptable result in the baseball world. So they, they have a lot of questions to answer this off season, the Gamecocks. Yeah. Might fire their pitching coach. Yeah. I mean, uh, imagine going to Gainesville and not even winning one game against the Florida Gators. Imagine it. Must be a poverty program. Start bench cut Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. UCF declaring a national championship. Tech athletes declaring Red Raider for life when they hop into the portal. Um, so just like funniest is definitely UCF's fake national title. Because that's like so public and so embarrassing. Yeah. You know, the Texas Tech athletes, that's a little more niche. But that is funny, though, to say Red Raider for life. Peace out. And then I'll cut Michael Scott. I declare bankruptcy. Uh, start bench process cut. State fruits and vegetables of Texas and neighboring states. Uh, New Mexico is the chili pepper. Oklahoma is the strawberry. Arkansas is the tomato, and Louisiana is the sweet potato. Texas is the grapefruit. That's five things. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we're going like Hall of Fame, start, bench, process, cut. I guess. I'll put – is it chili peppers? Yeah, that'd be my Hall of Fame. Okay, that's Hall of Fame. I guess I'll start strawberries – Bench, I'm, I'm I'm cutting sweet potatoes. Uh, what, what was the other one? Grapefruit and tomato. Bench tomato, or no, no, start tomato, bench strawberries, process uh, grapefruit, and then cut sweet potatoes. I would flip uh, grapefruit and sweet potato. Okay. I'm a big uh, sweet potato guy. Sweet potato pie and you shut your mouth? Yeah, exactly. 
Unbiasedly, if you are a top baseball prospect from Texas, you have offers from every SEC school, UT, TCU, and Tech. Where are you going to play? If you're from um, Texas. Yeah. Uh, probably unbiasedly, if I'm a if I'm like a five star baseball prospect, probably like LSU, A and M, or, or Texas. I'm guessing the NIL is better. The facilities yeah. are better. Um, the more immediate recent success is probably a, a notch above Texas Tech. So Tech, I, I would imagine most kids in that situation are going to one of those three. Yeah, Texas, LSU, or Florida. I wouldn't go to A&M. Well, I mean, I, I would never, but I'm trying to put myself in somebody else's shoes here. People clearly do. That's true. Maybe Arkansas. Honestly, a lot of kids are going to Arkansas from Texas now. Oh, that would be uh, that would be my start bench process cut. Texas, Arkansas, Florida, a I would go to Florida, then Arkansas, probably then Texas, then A&M. Yeah. I'd probably end up out of Texas before. I, I You can't just shut off that kind of bias, but Texas would be number one in Texas. And then I think Texas Tech, if you're wanting to stay in Texas. I mean, you're getting number one prospects from other states to come in. Gage Harrelson was a – the top prospect in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, do you go to the gym in the morning, afternoon, or night? None of the above. <laughs> I prefer the night gym. Working on the night gym. Uh, if you could have a small, no bigger than a dog animal as a pet, what would it be? Wild animal as a pet. I have a confession. I'm not a pet guy. My my perspective on it has certainly changed with kids. I, you know, my dogs are almost eight, and I think when their time comes, there will be a period where we don't have pets for several years. Um, wild animal, no bigger than a dog. Oh. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. That's a hard one. Koala bear. The uh, the top comment on that one is the mini giraffe from that commercial. Yeah. <laughs> on the gold couch. <laughs> what single song makes you feel total happiness every time you hear it, no matter what? And then he offers September by uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, I believe. That's a good one. Mine is uh, Pecan Pie by Golden Smog. Just a piece of pecan pie. And you, that's all I need. I need to do more show prep by looking in the Discord because I'm not good at thinking on my feet on these. Um, maybe like... This probably isn't the answer, but it's the one that's coming to mind right now. Daddy Let Me Drive by Alan Jackson. It gives you total happiness. I mean, it's a good upbeat song. It's a good... I like songs that tell stories. Yeah. Somebody asked for the cowboy hats for so I put mine on. Nice. Start Bench Cut, these summertime songs by the following artist. This is songs entitled Summertime. 
George Gershwin, Mungo Jerry, and Will Smith. Do you know these three songs? I only know the Mungo Jerry one. In the summertime. You'd start that one? Yeah, the other two, I don't know. And Will Smith is summer, summer, summer time. No? That sounds back terrible. In, back in the, well, I can't sing. Back in the Jazzy Jeff era. Who, which songwriter was like, okay, summer, summer, summertime, summertime. Summer. 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 I think probably Will Smith and Summer D's. No, I'm just kidding. Easy. Oh, dude, I was, I planned to set you up with the D's nuts joke. Um, I was going to ask you uh, who sang that song, uh, Thunder. It's a Thunder. Thunder. It's a Thunder. You know, yeah, Imagine Dragons. Yeah, Imagine Dragon. Yeah. I, I take the Cyclone Larry oh, approach on yeah. the, just like, just lean into it and lobby the other person in alley oop. Yeah. So anytime it's like, never, I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a family podcast, so I didn't yeah. want to joke. But now uh, any kids listening know that one. I, I doubt any kid is still in at an hour and 24. But uh, Start Bench Cut, your preferred dark chocolate accompaniment. I hate dark chocolate. So I'm yeah, not I'm gonna... out. Okay, all right, we're both out. Uh, power rank these super regional wins, one through four. Oklahoma State, Duke, East Carolina, Charleston. Starting Oklahoma State. Same. Because walk-off Wilson, conference rival, hard to beat. I'm benching Duke. Really hard-fought series. That was a really good team. Also a, a three-game thriller. Same. Uh, processing Charleston, just because that was your, your first time. Those were, I don't know if you remember, 1-0, 1-0. So maybe not the best baseball, at least, you know, at the plate. But that was fun to like be there the first time and like, oh my gosh, we're going to Omaha and to get to host that when, when you weren't a host for the regional. And then I guess I'm cutting, um, what was the fourth one? Uh, ECU with uh, the clutch hits from Eric Gutierrez. Yeah, that one was scary. They had, they had one really good bullpen arm, but like that was it. And I, I think if I recall correctly, game one, they beat you using their bullpen Saturday and Sunday. I think you got to them. No, Saturday was a really close win. And then Sunday they were out of pitching and you, you housed them. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to, hard to cut any of those, but that's the order I would go in. Have you ever out pizzaed the hut? No, no one out pizzas the hut. I out pizzaed the hut one time. Uh, are you familiar with a dish called pizza cake? I'm not, but it sounds like you might have made history. I did. It's uh, you put all your pizza toppings at the bottom of a pan, and then put the crust on top, and bake it. Pizza cake. It was at a bachelor party one time, and it could be that I misremember because of other proclivities. But that pizza cake was the best pizza I've ever had. The best pizza I've ever had was at a bowling alley in Tucson, Arizona. See, the more you know. That's why we do these mailbags. And that ain't no crap. Uh, start bench cop. Cut. 
Scott. Uh, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Start beer, bench bourbon, cut scotch. Are you familiar with that reference? George Thurgood. Don't know who that is. At the risk of throwing everyone off, I'll sing for a third time. One bourbon, one scotch. One beer. One beer. Yeah, there it is. The only Thurgood I know is Thurgood Marshall. Yeah. That's Do you know who not, that is? That sounds familiar. Is that is that a history something? He's a first African-American to sit on the Supreme Court. Yeah, him. Yeah. That's not, uh, it's not George Thurgood. Correct. Start bench cut quarterback traits, hair, abs, shredded physique. Man. This guy got bonked a bunch. It's hard to say, but when you've got all three, like um, Supreme Leader Quinn Ewers, hard to beat. I mean, there are multiple sources now indicating that he is, quote, shredded, that he has a, quote, six-pack. So, And they're not talking – they're not talking Dos Equis, okay? Are we are we witnessing a new uh, bit for Twitter that Supreme Leader Quinn Ewers has done this today? We need to workshop it, but but yes. It's sunny today in Austin because of Supreme Ewers. Quinn uh, Quinn Ewers is uh, was five for five in passing drills. Yes. Also, my only analysis when breaking down any player's game is just going to be a referendum on if he's shredded or not and if I think he has a six-pack or not. I prefer um, a quarterback who doesn't look athletic. Like Tom Brady certainly got shredded in his late career, but Tom Brady looked like he had two left feet for a long time. Yeah, there you go. And the, the jawline. Yeah, I wonder how Quinn Ewers' jawline is. Yeah. Do we have any sources in Austin that could – I don't know. My favorite quarterback of all time is Jared Lorenzen. Yes, the hefty lefty. R.I.P. Yeah. So. Uh, and then in honor of Oral Roberts, thoughts on Oral as a college name? I guess that, that was some old guy's name. I should probably know who Oral Roberts is, but I don't. They named a college after him. Uh, it's a Christian school, right? So probably some some faith leader of some sort. Uh, start bench cut, Oral Roberts, Oral Hershiser, Oral presentations. Uh, Oral Hershiser. Uh, I think he was on baseball tonight when I was growing up. I loved that show. Former Ranger. Uh, oral presentations, I guess. I'm, I'm comfortable um, speaking in front of a room. And then other than Jeff Haxton, I, I have no real attachment to Oral Roberts. Shout out. I mean, they gave us Kevin O'Banner, so hat tip for that. That's true. All right. Uh, that's the end of the mailbag. Final thoughts? Go Rams. Angelo State, D2 baseball national champs. Bringing some hardware back to West Texas. And anybody who thought the Texas Tech University system wasn't going to win it all in baseball this year following the Gainesville Regional was sorely mistaken. Go Rams. That's hard to do. It is. I bet not everybody can do that. I think I might be better with my left here. I'm pretty dexterous with my fingers. I used to do a little spider. Oh, yeah? 
I can't do a guns up with my left very well because I broke my hand when I was a kid. My my right handed guns up is way better. You broke your your hand. Yes. Where uh, the thumb? Uh, my uh, what is this? Metatarsal, metacarpal. Oh, over there. Yeah, uh, ring finger, but uh, like down here. The hamate. Yeah. I think the hamate like, is uh, maybe the plate there. It's your ulna. Outside is the radius. I think I might have those back backwards. I don't know. You know, people have been uh, complaining that our final segments, final thought segments haven't been extended. Uh, the mailbag is just so girthy now that girthy. Yeah. That you, you don't really have a lot of time for the final thoughts. I mean, we just answered 50 questions in the mailbag. So I think the extended mailbag kind of eats into the final thoughts segment. We ought to, extend final thoughts in the offseason we should do like a, a prop bet every episode okay. or like a random over under we could do a, a special final thoughts podcast once a month on uh patreon that is non-sports that'd be a good idea we can do some or maybe like pro sports or we could do more uh mount rushmore stuff off the off the air we could argue about the most divisive political issues in our society. That'll get the people going. Yeah. Embrace debate. Embrace debate. All right. Artie, give me a random over under or a prop bet for the for the week. Well, I gave you Tyler Shuck for the week. Um, well, TCU heading to Omaha. Will they be in the final weekend? Will they get through the first week in Omaha? How about this? Over under, I think this is a fair number, over under two and a half wins for the Frogs in Omaha. I'm going to go over. I think they I think they are really hot. I, I would want to see the bracket, but without seeing that, I, I lean over. Yeah, I, as much as it pains me to say. I mean, they've been so good for like a month plus at this point. Yeah, and they had the dudes all year. They just started slow. and And a lot of that was they played really good teams. Is uh, is Texas going to Omaha yet? Uh, not yet. They're Let's playing see. right now. They're up one zero in that series, right? It is two to two in the bottom of the fourth. Okay. If, if Texas goes, this is going to drag you down a little bit. But as of right now, I believe, unless I'm overlooking something, you are three and three against teams that have punched their ticket to Omaha. Two and one against TCU. One and two against Florida in a down year where people wanted coaches jobs uh, scrutinized. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. That's all I got, man. Same here. Go Rams. Go Rams. Love y'all.